This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, and with me, Cam Ruslan, today we have, um, from around the world, by the way, we have the returns of he's a writer, he's a director, he's an actor. He is Naamura. Hi, good to be back. Uh, great to have you here. And he is a producer here on BFM, uh, dealing really with the uh, business issues. Uh, he is Mikey Gong. Hi, Cam. Good to be back. Good to have you. And by the way, just to make it clear, uh, we, I think it might be useful later to know that Mikey is actually coming to us from Sydney, Australia. All the way. Uh, modern technology. International so our, show. Yeah. So our, <laughs> our three topics this week will be, topic number one is rewriting uh, literary classics for Malaysia. Which one would you rewrite? Rewrite. Topic number two is 15-minute cities. <laughs> Can Kuala Lumpur do that? And finally, topic number three is... I can't believe we've never done this topic, is why do Malaysians talk about food so much? So uh, <laughs> topic number one, Mikey Gong, rewriting classics for Malaysia. Okay. Cam, I'm going to call my topic Lord of the Lalats, right? So <laughs> Raja, Raja Lalat. Or... Raja Lalat, yeah. <laughs> and Sri Lalat. <laughs> so, I, um, um, so recently I just uh, I reread a lot of the flies, and um, it was, to be frank, excruciating. Oh. Um, it's, um, and, I, and I thought to myself, all these contextual references, public school boys, conch cell, conch shell, choir boys, I mean, up and knee, right? But I'm thinking to myself, could we, if we were tasked with the three of us, we're rewriting it for a Malaysian audience, what changes would we make to this classic piece of literature? Yeah, well, so, uh, Mikey, did you? I mean, whilst you were reading *Lord of the Flies*, which, by the way, I don't know, should we should we quickly explain? It was it's about uh, uh, it's a novel. It's about a group of English choir boys who are sort of marooned on an island, and they devolve into this sort of uh, tribe, primal, primal, you know, savage, savage savages, state. And all civilization mm. leaves them, and it's it's quite a horrible story. But it's great, it's a great novel. Uh, as you as you were reading it, did you sort of think, or oh, you could transcribe it to a Malaysian kind of uh, setting? I was actually having problems with that. Cam, I thought, okay, right, the island, we could could be any pulau of the coast of Malaysia, no problem. But come on, the uh, the uniqueness of of piggy's glasses. You know, if, uh, you know, heaps of Malaysians wear glasses, so there's nothing special about that. But it plays a pivotal role in the, in, you know, in the novel. So how do we change that? Secondly, the trouble, uh, and 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 the, and, the, and the troublesome part about the name Piggy, we'll have to change that. Maybe you can call him Lumbu or Kambing or something like that. <laughs> or use the the, the Arabic word Kinzir. Which is quite catchy, no? thank you. It is actually, yeah. Well, it sounds like know, something out of fantasy, isn't it? Yeah. You know that there was uh there was a movie version uh starring I think it was River Phoenix before he died. Oh seriously, and, an American uh, an American version. one. And so they transposed it and it and it exposed the problem with transposition because they oh. transposed it to to an American um group of kids. And instead of them being choir boys, they had them as being boys from a military school. And the problem with the military school is it's already a kind of bestial state. They're already uh, 
uh, the hierarchy and the structure yeah. Yeah. And, and violence so, is already inside it whereas choir boys are supposed to be you know beautiful serene kind of like you know <laughs> angels and uh, and the whole point of the thing is that it is that english public school angelic mm. image of peace and tranquility that you then break down so i don't think you can transpose to a malaysian setting the, the whole point it needs to be yeah and also the reality is far different. Like, I, I don't know if the actual case was before or something happened after, but there were a bunch of kids from Papua New Guinea. It actually mm. happened to them. They got mm. uh, stranded on one of the islands off the, the chain of, uh, you know, um, Micronesian islands. Mm. And they were there for, I think, a long time, more, yep. more than a year. And they ended up creating a perfect society. Well, not a perfect society, but... Uh, uh, they, they they cooperated with each other. They looked after each other, and it was the exact opposite, uh, the, the necessity. <laughs> but they were regular school kids, I think. I do think they were they were were um, they pa- um, Papuan? But they were Papuan? they were Papuan kids. Maybe it was just also their culture. It's it's like you know, if you're in a community, you just help each other. Really? So I don't know what Malaysia would be like. Also, the whole idea that our islands are so developed that the kids will probably be. You know, you want to change it a little bit. They're, they're stuck on a golf course in Tioman or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have to keep, they have to keep dodging golf balls or something. Uh, so, so, so the so, so the beastie is actually a golf cart that just goes along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but no, would the you? Lord of the flies. It, 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 are there any books uh, that you would uh, choose to um, transpose? I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I since he, you know, like since. Mikey talked about, you know, like, 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 uh, Lalat, a uh, lot of Lalat. You know. I, all I could think of is like funny translations. I mean, I would like to try to translate just the title of The Unbearable Likeness of Being. That would be, that would oh, be wow. very interesting. But okay. I don't know about, about doing the whole story. Yeah. Um, what, why don't you choose, uh, Ulysses? At the, well, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think like, I'm right. Yeah. I, 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 of courage. Yeah. Bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been thinking about this topic, and I, I, I definitely think that uh, Charles Dickens is right. uh, n- not necessarily uh, immediately transposable, but the essence of what he was writing about, where he would be writing about a his having characters who are in a rapidly developing economy and a rapidly developing city, London, and um, and how they then bump into each other and and how they interact and and how industrialization sort of like changes uh, the balance and, and i and i think that kuala lumpur we kind of gone a bit past now the that dickensian stage but there are still very dickensian places inside mm. well, well, interesting. your well, idea is very interesting i would say there'd be a neo-dickensian for 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 us would be i mean when you're talking about the 50 and uh, 60s and all that it's more like piramid era so there's nothing mm. Um, too, too extreme about it. But I think the 80s will be an interesting, sort of like a modern Dickensian thing, yes. where, where so much technology, people were getting rich, people were doing different things that Malaysians would not do mm. only a decade earlier, jobs that Malaysians would not do. Absolutely, um, yeah. You know, it, it's actually quite interesting. The city was living... and dirty at the same time. And one of the things yeah. with, with the um, industrial age London in the, in the 19th century was that it grew so fast and everybody mm. who... It grew because people were moving to London from somewhere else. Everybody was from somewhere else, which was yeah. happening to KL in the eighties, nineties. As now, you know, correctly, and um, you know, we had two-hour traffic jams. Remember, there was one period where if you lived in that. certain parts, when there were two-hour yeah. people were literally going insane in their cars. So, so that kind of stuff is is really nice, right, guys? We, uh, we didn't have the north-south highway, and you remember, and people underestimate 
you know, an impact that that actually had on uh, the rural urban migration and as well as, you know, as upsurge in, in, you know, in uh, in goods and services and uh, transport, which is just just, um, game changing. Yeah, because like Dickens wrote in one of his books, Dombey and Son, he wrote about the area where the great big new railway station Mm. being built in London and how that area is being changed and how the railways are bringing in people and changing mm. the nature of um, the city. And, um, and I think, yeah, those moments happened, happened in the past in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. In different ways over the, the, the seven decades, I'm sure. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, I would, I would nominate, I'm not going to do it myself because it's hard work. Uh, but I would nominate Charles Dickens as being a, a, temp, a template. I wouldn't do an exact replica of I don't know David Copperfield or or um, or uh, which has was actually done recently. Um, a sort of transposition of it to a it's still a period piece, but with like modern type characters and stuff. And to me, it didn't work at all. I would mm. I, I I would move away from Dickens and try George Eliot's uh, Mill on the Floss instead. Which uh, oh, wow. Talks about, I'm not uh, familiar with. Transfigur- uh, tra- talks about the transfiguration of um, pastoral England yeah. uh, in, in the industrial age, and we could easily juxtapose the Kampong uh, experience right. Right. there. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. yeah I have an idea now. I have an idea now, guys. I, w- I would probably do um, go back to the pulps and 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 do a Mickey Spillane, Dashiell Hammett type of uh, Raymond noir. Yeah, oh. detective kind of thing. Yeah, you know? that'd be a great. Idea, not, actually, not yeah, because, because <laughs> there was one. There was one character um, that that the late Christian Jit told me about about a taxi driver. I think I may have talked about this to you, Ken, many times in the past. A taxi driver within the Punjabi community of KL, who he's a taxi driver because he's a taxi driver and he knows his community really well. Um, that he has become sort of like um, unlicensed private eye. People wow. pay him. To find out things, and we're not we're not talking about you know um the, the the television and movie cliches, but things like my son I think is taking drugs. Could you see what he's actually doing? My mm. husband may be seeing somebody. So he would tell people and find out within his community what people are doing, and he was like a private eye. I think that would be a very interesting book. That would be um, very good. Yeah, set oh, in KL yeah. now yes. even now Dude, or, or, or even no, you you should write that one. Yeah, I, I wanted to one. turn it into a into a movie. I've, I've actually. Got an unfinished script about it. I ah, forget yeah. a movie. Write a book. Write a book. Maybe I should do yeah. a movie. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> do a movie. Do a book. Yeah. <laughs> do a, do a, do a book first. <laughs> do a graphic novel. <laughs> uh, actually, graphic novel. Great. Hey, okay. So we're going to move on. Move on. But um, well, thanks for that, Mikey. And uh, yeah, got, got me thinking there. So uh, we're going to move on. Topic number two, which is fifteen-minute cities. Uh, it's become a fashionable thing recently. Is talk about fifteen-minute cities. Uh, the concept like a pop-up city or something like that. It's only there for fifteen minutes. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It's it's a very simple um, uh, concept. It's just the idea that uh, you should be able to get to anywhere in a city within fifteen minutes. And um, uh, recently, there was a uh, the, uh, a demonstration. I think it was in Oxford yeah. in England. Um, against the concept of 15 minutes so all these various uh crackpot um conspiracy theorists kind of like came together and did a like 15 minute cities are bad because of satanists and i don't know whatever stupid <laughs> but uh so you know it can be demonized but uh, it's a very simple concept and people keep uh posting pictures on twitter etc about say amsterdam where everybody's on their bicycles and it's fantastic 
And why can't we do that here? And I would say, I, I think that the, 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 the hope for a 15-minute city in Kuala Lumpur would be great. But I think we've, we've, we've missed the moment. We've missed the chance. And also, people constantly fail to remember it's very hot in Kuala Lumpur. Yes. And yeah. it's quite hilly. Amsterdam is very flat. And uh, th th I mean, I don't mind cycling, but I I would balk at the idea of having to cycle just about anywhere from there because it, it would just be killing me. But also, also in I don't know how to do it in Amsterdam, but in KL, we have this problem of uh, things need to be delivered. Um, things need to be delivered yeah. to every part of the city. And if you close off roads for just bicycles, how are foodstuffs and, and other goods supposed to get to certain streets where you know, there are shops and restaurants and, you know, Tallinn Street itself, people are bringing in flowers. I mean, I mean one of the things that annoying me about KL is that constantly you're at a place and you can't even get your car past all these trucks that have, have um, double and triple parked in order to deliver what is needed to said place. Yeah. And you kind of have to wait for them. And we have that problem too. If we do turn it into a cycling city, what well, happens to that infrastructure? Fifteen you know? minutes it doesn't mean yeah. just cycling. I mean, it's a whole, it's yeah. a whole load of things. I mean, Mikey, you but understand economics and what I, 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 I mean. I, I understand, and I understand it, and it's a huge, hugely controversial topic in Australia at the moment, mm. uh, as well with a lot of uh, pushback against it. The controversy stems from the not from the fact that it is actually something that is that makes sense. Oh, by the way, we call it a suburb here. <laughs> you know, Australian mm. suburbs are so large that. You don't really want to, you know, within 15 minutes, you should get everything you want because really it's actually quite painful to, to get around Australia if you haven't got a car. Mm. Uh, but and uh, but would it work in KL? No, nah, has a has uh, you know, I actually think it might. I really do think it um, it, it it could work around certain places like uh, the Golden Triangle. You've got your basic infrastructure, you've got um, access to schools, um, FNB outlets. Uh, shopping, what else do you need? I mean, I'm pushing back at you, uh, you know. Yeah, but I mean, uh, the, the, the people who work in the Golden Dragon might live over in Churras, and that's really far. And yes, how do they? I, I think that we missed, I think we missed our moment. We missed our chance. I mean, to, to look at Dickens again, right? Uh, the London of uh, the, the London Underground, that was mm. really built when the city of London was growing in the 19th century. And and the the rare, those tube lines were actually pushed out into areas where there was nothing. Mm. So in uh, and so like Manor House, there's a, there's a tube station mm. called Manor House, and it's only called mm. that because it was in the middle of nowhere, and the nearest thing was a Manor House, <laughs> and uh, and now it's it's a bustling place. So in Kuala Lumpur, in the 1990s, when we had the economy bursting, that was the last chance to to make a radical decision to to build actual uh, railway lines that that could um, network around KL. But we didn't do it. We didn't do it. Okay, from an economics now. perspective, um, this is about a loss of productivity in terms of traveling, right? Okay, you you take the time that we spend traveling and translate it into a dollar value or something like that. We could be doing more productive things. Well, there was a there was a solution for it, and it was called uh, working remotely. Mm. But now, do you see what's happening? Everyone's unwinding that back, and right. people and, and big corporates like Amazon are basically telling their workers come back to work. Mm. Uh, we don't want you staying at home. So, 
it's not about we had a chance and uh, and and it's about something we should have done in the 80s. We could have actually con- continued with it, but um, there seems to be an unrolling back of all, and all these initi- and, and of all these initiatives. Mm. Yeah, it seems to be the, the numbers are actually in. And in Europe, they're taking advantage of it. The fact that mm. that working from home, a lot of companies have even put it into their schedule because they realize productivity goes up. Um, in the end, uh, like, like you said, um, the congestion in the city becomes far less. Mm. Uh, somebody did a. I, I remember reading something on social media about how much how much money people waste just on petrol, with 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 the way the jams are now, the amount of time and money that's wasted from people who work in the city. Yeah. You know, it, and it and it's and it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous amount. It it is true. A lot of um a lot of companies in KL, not a lot, a few. Even uh, 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 my girlfriend, she's working at, a, at, a, at one of the companies run by much younger people. So they are, they are more hip to, to things and they allow mm. three days, two days of uh, WFH. Uh, and and, and it's, it's really working well for them. Yeah. I, I think that it's just our, our slave driver mentality. Absolutely. In Asia, you, know, you employ somebody, you own them. You want, to, you want to be able to stand over their shoulders and you know and you well you need watch to them work yeah. yeah yeah need to know that they that they they are there at your beck and call hey um, um would, would you like to see a 15 minute city and uh, kl would i like to see one i think that mm. what you what you mentioned earlier was um the suburbs in australia it might be that yeah pockets uh, we can't talk about the whole of clang valley as being it's just impossible yeah but, right. but but you know subang let's say subang it subang jaya could be uh in and of itself, a fifteen-minute place. It probably is. Mm. Right, of, I agree. Out of rush yeah. hour, and it, it and, can be. It can be. Yeah, but the thing is, I think a lot of our in- infrastructure is so bad that that um, if we get the transportation done, we, we have other problems like 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 parking and and you know because yeah, yeah. um things are just not planned mm. that well. Oh, it, it takes me more than fifteen minutes to find a car parking space. Especially you can get one. there in fifteen minutes. Yeah. But no, you live uh, actually quite close to an MRT station. Have, yeah. Ha- I mean, you don't you don't have regular working hours because you're a freelancer. But have you um, used that MRT station? Yes, I have. It is very good. It is very good in the sense that if I need it, it's a two minute mm. walk to and from, and. Uh, the MRT is actually pretty efficient. It, it's it's not bad, but you can't. You know, it's limited to to, to the amount of places you can go. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, though, that actual MRT station, because there are a whole lot of roadworks there, uh, people who want to get there from one particular angle have to walk al- along an incredibly uh, busy highway, basically, putting their lives in danger in order to get to that station. Um, oh, you make it sound so. You make it, it sound terrible. It's it is terrible. Of, it is a terrible. Bit of danger. Yeah. Well, a bit um, of from, danger. from where I am, it's it's quite okay. From where, where from I your am, angle, yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, Some well, places, yeah, you would have to cross over construction even. So, which yeah. is not a safe thing. Yeah, we just don't care. We don't care about pedestrians. So, finally, uh, we've got to wrap this one up. But, uh, Mikey, you're in Sydney. Sydney, I mm. don't know Sydney actually. Is Sydney? Uh, uh, is it easy to negotiate? Is it a uh, it is uh, the city itself is, and it's actually quite small for a, you know, for, for a world class uh, city. Um, very walkable, and I think that's the key point here. Um, walkability, and if a city has sufficient infrastructure, as Nas said, for all these things, it's done properly, and you should be able to access everything within fifteen minutes. Which actually I can from my from where I live, all the basic stuff. 
Yeah, but and come basically, on. downtown KL is actually pretty small when you think yeah, about it. Yeah, it, it, it is quite right. small. Exactly, no? It is, it's not, not that yeah, big. Yeah, but it's 30 degrees out there. It's 100% humidity. So I what do you want to challenge... do about that? Can what... no, I just think we have to be realistic. We have to say it is hot. Yeah, and we cannot like pretend. In, it, it, we cannot pretend that we are Copenhagen. Those tubes, like in Futurama, you know, people just get in and they, they get, you know, <laughs> then, around. Oh, and then imagine if you got stuck in one of those tubes. You're dehydrated. <laughs> That's right. Five seconds. Claustrophobia. Yeah. So we move on. We move on. Um, and in a moment, we're going to be asking the big one, which is why do Malaysians talk about food so much? Here Ooh. on A Bit of Culture on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam Ruslan, Mikey Gong, and Na'a Murad. And now, Na'a, um, Malaysians talk about food. A lot. They're not only just talk about food, totally obsessed with food to, to the point of, I, I just noticed how, how obsessed we are because recently I had a bunch of relatives, an aunt of mine who lives in the UK, has been living in the UK for, for about 30, 30 years, maybe more. And uh, her family is, is, you know, half Malaysian, half UK. Her husband is, is from the UK. And when they arrived, we, we showed them, the only thing we knew how, how, how to, to, to show that, that we care is to feed people to the point of bursting. And my, my aunt herself loved it because she's Malaysian and she's been away mm. and she wanted to try all these things. But everybody else in her family was like, are they trying to kill us? They, they were quite happy with it. And a lot of the food was, was nice to them. But I could see that look in your face like, why are we constantly being plied with food? Now, I'm mm. not saying that, that everybody else in the world does not like food at, um, at all. I'm just saying that we can be super obsessed about it. And it, it's funny, Cam, do you remember like when we were, um, when ICT had those shows? Um, That's they Instant had this, Cafe Theatre, by the way. Um, yeah, Instant Cafe Theatre had those live shows, satirical shows. There was that song um, where, where one of the satirical songs, where one of the lyrics was like, um, we discuss dinner at lunchtime. I mean, literally, that is accurate. It's like you're already <laughs> eating, but you're talking about where you want to eat next and everything. Mm. And uh, why? Why is that? Why is that? And and you know, there, there, are, there are a lot of explanations, even scientific, um, uh, paleo evolutionary ideas about how you know why people eat so much and why people get obese and and tend to 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 stuff themselves is because deep in our psyche from our primitive times. When there's no food, there's no food. It can be a terrible time. But when there's a lot of food, our early ancestors used to just stuff mm. themselves. And now it's still stuck in our head. When there's food around, stuff yourself because you don't know when there's going to be no food. But it's always food. Hang on. So you're saying the reason why we talk about food so much is because we're it's famine and feast. We are afraid kind of, of famine. Kind of thing. But I don't think that's it. That, that's one scientific thing. But what I think is like we are trying to fill in an empty void somewhere, you know, our love for food and, and, you know, people will say it's this and that and, you know, blah, blah, blah. To me, it's very simple. Um, you know, it, Shakespeare says, well, he didn't say it, but a lot of actors may have said it on stage. Um, you know, if, if uh, music be the food of love, food of love, then play on, right? And I think, I think the arts, storytelling um, is the food of the soul. And we don't get enough of it. It is our own um, art. So, so we he, are starving. We are starving we are, in a we sense. We are comfort that eating. We are comfort eating because, or, or we, are, we are trying to fill a void in our soul, which should come from having more local music. More here, I am like like just just um. I know it's a very silly answer, but but no, I think it's great. I think it's great. That's yeah, what it's... I believe. Um, you know, our own stories, our own uh, uh, uh bands, and 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 everything, and and our old culture. We should we should be having 
you know, Wayang Kulit and, and, and Chinese opera and all that, all the time, we should be filling our souls with, with what is intrinsically our art, too, yeah. along with, you know, globally. Okay. And, and, and we're filling that hole with food. We're just, we're just that's the, the thing that we consider the most creative and most dynamic of what we've created as a culture. Uh, I think that's a very, inter- very interesting idea. Uh, so, Mikey, you're down in Australia, the home of the meat pie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, <laughs> great pizza, meat pies. <laughs> great, yeah, great you're, fusion you're, food, yeah. And you're 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 in a very different culture, and you're you're far away from Malaysian food. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Naas theory? Uh, let me correct a few misconceptions here. We're not far away from Malaysian food. That's true. Yeah, um, there's a <laughs> Malaysian restaurant about five minutes walk away from here, and I can get just about everything. Really, in Malaysia? Yes. Wow. Some of it even. Even I'm gonna I'll probably gonna get slayed alive for this by our listeners, but some of them just as good. I can get a Penang prawn me, you know, and mm. that is just as good as anything in Klang Valley. Mm. I know to shop, but it may surprise you to and for you to know that um, Sydney, or like most cities in Australia, it's a food, it's a food obsessed culture as well here. It's just yeah. incredibly. Um, I mean, they've got food guides everywhere. They they, they talk them. Cooking and the cooking shows are abundant, um, and that goes against your uh, feast of famine theory, isn't it? In some I, way, I, I don't know. I think that in a way it ties it together a little bit. But if if we just change the angle I of approach slightly, I I mean, it's a subject that I, I'm fascinated by too. Is is why mm. the talk about food so much, and I think it's because we are eating our history and our culture. In that, if let's say you go to Europe, where cities like Florence, Florence is where Florence is. Florence has always been there. You can see mm. Florence around you, and you and as an Italian, you can take pride in it. And say this is Florence, and isn't it beautiful? And it's a it's permanent. It's been there for hundreds of years. Whereas here, we don't have any of that. I mean, you could go to you can go to Jonker Street. Uh, you can go to a handful of places, but you don't get that sense of of of, of cultural lineage and history. But, it's just remnant, but, isn't it? But no, but it's in every single dish that we eat. Yeah. When you're eating tamarind in something, and it's mixed yeah. also with coconut, and it's got prawn and everything, mm. and it's with noodles, you're having an absolute melange of history. It's like, who brought, who on earth brought that noodle and connected it with that tamarind? I can't even think what dish I'm describing here. Yeah. <laughs> um, New one. Mm. And, and I think that Australia might be having the same thing in that it is that that all these different foods is one way to actually connect the different people of Australia into one yeah. cultural language. Yeah. Uh, I mean you're very good yeah. at fusion, isn't it? But yeah. But 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 how about how about like this, this whole modern thing where when things are gonna go crazy because you know like cheese is in, being put into everything. Yeah. And at, at one point it was everything was salted egg. Uh, you know, yeah. like salted egg was in everything. So I don't know what that's doing to our our identity our, our culture our dialogue about food to me in malaysia doesn't go past the superficial it just goes down to it it, it simmers around do you like this huh? and the taste good we don't talk about the provenance where it comes from we eat parmesan cheese many times we talk about parmesan and and parmesan regiano it's coming from uh the region but I mean, no, the, yeah, the, the, I, the I, I don't think we're writing a thesis every time we sit down and we discuss it. But the well, fact that we are discussing it is it's in that topic. Mm, if we're saying it's, also, where, it's also an economic thing. Another obsession we have is about how much things cost. So when we're eating, true. another thing that happens is we, we, we are comparing economically, like 
you know, this is great, but I can get this for only eight ringgit fifty. You know, where I, you know, it becomes mm. that kind of uh, issue yeah, too, an yeah. economic issue. Yeah, um, the, the the price of it is also part actually, of the conversation. No, that's a that, that's a great point. That's actually a a group on Facebook called some, something like uh, Indian Restaurant Cutthroat or something like that, which talks about getting how mama is getting expensive. Yeah, uh, no, some, uh, uh, banana leaves is getting expensive. Yeah, and you know, and it's now why why is that in such an interesting and topic interesting topic to Malaysians? The cost of food coupled with the experience of it. It's a very immediate way to actually eat and taste inflation. Inflation oh. is 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 a is a difficult concept to grasp. But mm. if it's actually it's actually what's going into your mouth at that moment, I mean, you're really experiencing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. look at the thing about eggs. Eggs is such a basic that that when you when you touch yeah. on food, when when inflation touches on food, it becomes such a painful thing. It it becomes such a stark reminder. You know, people don't think about how much insurance they're paying or how much school is. Mm. Schools are getting more expensive. They do, but the moment it touches food, you almost get a panic. But can I <laughs> can I just in, and it, can I just investigate for one moment the um so not the the your your aunt I believe it is um your aunt is Malaysian so she's like okay with it she's come from London she, she's she's enjoying it she wants it. she's right. she gave us a list All right and then she, the, but she eat. she's she's brought that family with her from London who are n- not tutored in that school they're they're English. Yeah. So they're yeah, the, pretty much. And and I find it very interesting. I've I'm actually very interested in their boredom at at listening to stories about food. And mm. the things that they actually prioritize, they they feel a sense of their history in England. It's it's very apparent. I mean, you know, Shakespeare, you mentioned him, was writing uh five hundred years ago. His work is still performed. Can you think of anything in this land from 500 years ago? You've no clue. You have absolutely no clue. There is right, nothing yeah. you can point to that is 500 years ago, except for the food. Right. I see what you mean. Yeah. And mm. and so by by eating fish with rice and budu, you're eating Shakespeare, our equivalent of. Right. I mean, you can't you can't eat the Battle of Malacca, and you can you yeah. know like, like we we have the same. From 500 years ago and more, we have we have the same cliches. We have um, th- th- there's we don't we don't know anything about what really went down. The culture, the minutia is gone, mm-hmm. but we imagine that the food is the same. It probably was incredibly different. Totally, yeah. different, totally different, completely different. Yeah. Less yeah. chilies, less this, less that. Yeah. You know, I mean, like we, it's also it's also staggering how how, how much um, influence Portuguese food has um, right. from from yeah. way back then. Yeah, so many things yeah. that that still exist today, which actually had a Portuguese influence. The whole notion of a dessert yeah. is Portuguese. Yeah. Yes, a lot of the fried desserts, the, fried the, cakes, stuff mean, like that. Deep fried, just, deep fried food is, is Portuguese. Yeah. Deep fried food is Portuguese. I mean, the Japanese didn't have tempura until the Portuguese, in, uh, you know, introduced them and, to deep fried and fish and chips. Yeah, from, right. fish, from fish and chips, fish and chips. chips to seriously, from fish and chips all the way to tempura, and every point mm. in between, there is deep fried battered food, and that's Portuguese. Yeah. Chicken chop was like is was like the Hainanese um, equivalent of like um, lamb chops and pork chops because yeah. lamb and pork was expensive and hard to get, but chickens were everywhere. So they said, okay, mm. we'll we'll make this thing called the chicken chop for and, for, and the, it's in, for the masala. Absolutely for Tuan, and it's interesting to see the the disappearance and demise of chicken chop, and to see how hard it is now to find that dish and people who are still interested in that dish. 
Oh, except for now they've evolved. Uh, um, I know this place that now has a cheesy chicken chop because the whole yeah. cheese thing. I know it's quite. It's not bad, but I, it, 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 I love the Hainanese chicken chops too. No, nah, that's called a chicken parmigiana, and it's and it's a lot of it is due to the fact that a lot of people coming back to Malaysia have studied in Australia, and so they're bringing back these taste profiles, and they go and they go, and, you know, I think let's update our chicken chop to a chicken schnitzel to a chicken palm eventually. Going to look exactly like an Aussie pub somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, they don't call it. They just call it a cheesy chicken chop because it's more the Malaysian style. The cheese <laughs> is just not inside the crust, but it just dribbles. You know, like, I, like, like, I, like like the way it's done on yeah. everything. Well, like a, a conversation about Malaysian food, and at the end of it, I feel sick because that cheesy chicken <laughs> chop is quite disgusting. Um, but uh, so, Mikey, you're you're okay in Australia. We don't need to send you any food package. You're, you're, you're no, you don't need to send me any Maggie Mie or Milo like Brahims. You have to do it three things. Brahims, time to super No, please don't send me any Brahims. <laughs> although that's pretty, although, although it's pretty good. Rundang in tin foil. Yeah. 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 Yummy. Uh, okay, well, I think we've just scratched the surface of one of the most important cultural aspects of, in, in Malaysia, which is... Look at the way food. we talked about food, just uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah, passion. Yep. The, yep. How so, easily uh, we can branch off into all the different yeah. facets of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, we move on then to the final part of the show, recommendations where we recommend something that we think might be of interest. And Mikey Gong goes first. Amazingly, I don't have a book to recommend. I actually have a Netflix show show but it's got nothing to do with what we talked about today it's actually called uh the world's most amazing vacation rentals <laughs> and i know it's uh so it's very bougie and bougie it is but what i like about it is that you've got three presenters who are absolutely sickeningly attractive and you uh, and you hate them for that um the only is three places one and three vacation rentals or airbnb or whatever you want to call it one will be in the luxury category. The other will be uh, in the unique category, which is basically something very different, something you've never seen before. And the third is in the budget, mm -hmm. right? But uh, like so good, good budget, though. Good budget. Right. At the end of the day, it's still bougie because you still need a, a, lot, you know, a lot of serious coin to afford even the budget right. in a rental. But I watch it for two reasons. One, again, as I said, the host are just... Sickeningly attractive. Okay. Sickeningly yeah. attractive. And two... Gosh darn it! Post pandemic, who doesn't need a holiday? Wow. you exactly. don't have to. You don't have to post rationalize why you watch trash TV, Mikey. I mean, it's uh, you're it's, human. It's you're it's a human being. Share this on yeah. air with everyone else, yeah. whether so, you want to hear or not. What's it called again? World's most, most amazing vacation rental. That title oh, alone should, you know, but, you know. But does it focus it... on Australia? No, oh, it focuses on the world from all the oh, whole wow. world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but doesn't that kind of watching that kind of thing make you just sick with envy and it's like I'll never be able to do that? And I just it make, makes me not, angry that kind of thing. Not really. That's and that's a funny part. I actually want to be part of that sickening, really attractive trio. I want to be the fourth person <laughs> to travel okay. for free okay. as part of your job, right? I would challenge both of you to to watch one episode of that show. I'm sure that you it. wouldn't want to travel with that. I I don't know if I yeah I I'm sure I'd love it though the the, the watching you, sounds fun actually you, you're fibbing there all right no no okay. no I I I like these kinds of things but I I I think I prefer though more of the um, house renovation type thing where you know people 
take a house and like we're going to put put in the subway tiles here and the uh we'll knock this one through and make a ensuite i like i always start watching these things whether it's what you describe or what you describe can those kind of shows and i'm thinking like i'm gonna hate this it's gonna be boring but it just sucked me in and before i know it it could be something stupid like people making fish tanks you know that show about fish tanks there was a show on on, yeah yeah, yeah. and i said this is ridiculous but but let me just watch it and before i knew it, it was over Okay, well, I, I just want to ask, because uh, we're all about the same age, do you remember uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 So, with Robin Leach, I think his name was. Um, Robin yes. Leach, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. So, that's it, pa- perhaps that's what you're trying to like, reach back to your past as well, Mikey. Watch. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Um, okay, know. so one more time, what's the name of that show? The world's most amazing vacation rentals. Okay, I have skipped past it, and I thought, will I ever try that? Okay, well, for you, I'll try. I'm going to give it a try. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, my recommendation is also, my goodness, a Netflix show, and it's an Italian uh, TV drama, um, which is called uh, "The Law According to Lydia Poet," uh, which is it's set in the 1880s, and it's uh, sort of uh, provisionally, it's about. The, the 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 life and times of Italy's first female qualified lawyer. The way I've described it, it all sounds rather dull. It's not. It's very exciting. And but also, um, what? Oh, sorry, I'm just woken up. No. It, <laughs> all right. All right. Fine. It's, oh, it's, it's, it, it's right, not. Okay. It might not be for you. No. But it's it's actually um a, a thrilling piece. But it's uh one of the things that really distinguishes this against anything I've ever seen before is the wardrobe and the hair and makeup so many oh. times you watch period pieces and you think that person's hair is just completely wrong it's it got long hair they would never have that the wardrobe is just cheap and nasty or it's very kind of dull colors it's, it's this, from doctor who or something right yeah. from the bbc wardrobe <laughs> department yeah, oh, where, well said. yeah. whereas whereas with this one the wardrobe is incredible um and it just elevates the piece so much. I mean, I, I get really tired of uh, British uh, costume dramas where, mm. where the costumes are just rubbish and really dull and always just too clean and everything. But the the wardrobe on this is yeah, amazing. Well, well the bar is so high now. I mean, have you watched the new yeah. Game of Thrones thing, um, House of the Dragon? Mm. You get distracted and then you get distracted by the fact that every detail on every character comes in just to say a couple of things and gets his head chopped off. The, the clothes look like somebody had had made that from scratch. Mm. It's made of the real materials. It's not like this fake mm. um, synthetic stuff that, that's made to look medieval. Mm. Uh, you know, just just for that that quick shot, it looks as though somebody, you know, a bunch of kids in a medieval factory sewed it by hand. You know, it's, the detail is yeah. just amazing. Yeah, that's good. That's good because I did visit a. Um... The biggest rental uh, wardrobe rental place in in London is huge, and they mm. do all the the top Wine shows. Can. I, 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 no, I, I was on a press junket. Some, some no, kinky thing that you were planning. No, no, I, I was on a, pre, a press junket. I was on a press junket. Dress and, cosplaying. But, yeah. but, but, but what struck me about it was that they make the wardrobe very thick and heavy, um, mm. so that they can it'll last and they can rent it out a thousand mm, times. Exactly. Before. Yeah. Right. So when it's on your BBC drama, it's just this, this, the woolen thing. It's like a suit of armor. It's so heavy right. because they just want to be able to then rent it out again and again and again. Whereas something like this show that I'm recommending, um, the, the law according to Lydia Poet, you can see it's a one-time only thing. 
so and, is it and, is it just the fact that um, they're accurate in you know in terms of the world of details that attracts you to the shows cam like, uh, no else? many things like you know it's italian it's like why not i want to watch but italian television dramas are very good actually they, they do their tv very good oh, and, okay. and uh okay. they're, they're, i think that i would rate them as being pretty much the best in europe and um they uh it's just it's fun and my goodness i mean you can't go wrong when you're doing a period drama in italy those locations you can't just, That's true. I mean, it's just so easy put the camera stick the camera point the camera over there <laughs> and, and 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 as and as uh <laughs> as mikey points out the disgustingly attractive yes. uh, performers that they have in italy oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, that, so, there's that yeah. too but they're but they're very interesting disgustingly attractive they have a very yeah, interesting yeah. it's like even even uncle gino who's um 84 years old is probably really good looking. Yeah, there is there is that too. Um, you want to be a doctor so, to his family. So yes. that's that's my recommendation. And uh, no, what do you have? Yeah, well, I, I don't know what to recommend because I bought a whole bunch of books just yesterday and I still I haven't read them yet, of course. So I am going to go for not even TV. I'm going to go for a radio and it's really close to home because I'm going to recommend something on BFM. <gasps> Uh, gasp, yeah, because I recently was a guest, very kind of uh, Sean Gazi and Ida Mariana to invite me to be a guest curator on their show, which is um, called Lagu Lagu Dulu Dulu. And I did a movie episode where I chose some songs from old Malaysian movies and one or two non-Malaysian stuff. And, you know, I've, I've gotten to appreciate their show very much. And working with them has allowed me to see how passionate they are and how much how much work, but joyful work that goes into researching and choosing these songs. And I, 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 I feel this, this, you know, again, Cam, it, it ties back to what you, you, you talked about history, about, about some kind of identity that we draw from things of the past that, that is intrinsically ours, yeah? And I think this show does it for me. It's, um, Cam, you should know better. It's on Saturdays, right? On um, no, um, Tuesdays and Saturdays on BFM in, uh, at night, 10 p.m. on Tuesday, I think, and 10 a.m. on Saturday, which uh, could be what the day which listeners are listening to. Us yeah, right basically, now. listeners, sure. you better check it out at the timetable yourself. It is downloadable to, as a podcast. Yes, exactly. It's, it's on the website. So I like that show, and I think people will enjoy it. It will bring you back to the good old days, or just gives you this this nice resonance of the past. I, I like mm. that show very much, and, and kudos yeah. to the two of them. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic show. And also, I would say for younger, I mean, we are, in a sense, younger listeners for this kind of thing now. I mean, we... Yeah, it's just before our time. Yeah, half of the stuff I chose was from before I was born. Mikey, I mean, you, uh, I mean you're not contemporaneous with any uh, P. Ramley type thing. You, you didn't watch it written in the original, did you? I grew up with it. I watched it on TV. Mm. Yeah, but that was already a repeat. I mean, it wasn't coming That's out. That's right. You, no, it, it, it wasn't. But I would say that I was only basically half a generation removed from it, maybe not even one generation. So how would you how would you sell this to a demographic that's two generations down the line, Cam? I mean, it, I, 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 I love the idea. I love what Nas saying. But in the back of my mind, I'm just going, how would I sell this? They sell it this way. Uh, I think there's... there's um... Not not all of it is just old and 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 uh, you know like like porch uh, songs and stuff like that. There's also a danceable quality to it. I tried to choose things mm. which are kind of sixties rock and roll and even okay on the episode which I was a guest. I even took stuff from the nineties because the nineties would be more relevant to you to your youthful days, right, Mikey? So things like um, Isabella and stuff like that. It's like people yeah. do remember it. Do remember it? You know the the whole emo rock era or the whole Sheila Majid 
Jazzy yeah. era is very much part of our our. It's becoming ancient. Cam and I think of it as just yesterday, but it wasn't. It is a, was a long time ago, over thirty years. A long time ago. So there's yes. there's also that mixture. So so when when you know you want to you, you you have the cool factor. You have danceable music. You have mm. um, slightly off the wall experimental stuff to every now and then just to 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 make it interesting. Yeah, yeah that's but, how but also time and time again. We are all of us nostalgic for times that we did not know. Uh, yes. You know, e examine the things that you find interesting in life and the things that resonate with you. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that the Beatles is for everyone, but there are young people today who are, who are discovering the Beatles who I didn't know the 60s. I was, I was barely born. Baby. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you 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 hear a context and you but you don't quite fully understand and then you you research it and you discover that there's this context. And the zeitgeist seems cool to you when you're younger. It's like all these people running around with bell bottoms and hair that kind of hair and throwing panties at at, at rock stars and all that. It just sounds like such a cool time. When mm. I was 15, I, I I wanted to be back in the 50s and do the whole rock and roll thing. I wanted to have pompadours yeah. and. You know, drive cars down um, um, you know, avenues, American avenues, and you know, rock around the clock. I wanted yeah. to do that. I thought that Absolutely. was cool. Nostalgia yeah. for times but, that we did but, not but, know. But is. the difference is that you actually experience it, both of you. Not I mean, at all. Cam, you no, no, you Some of it, but not, not the 50s. What, what now I was just saying with the 50s, he wasn't there. Yeah. And with the 60s, and, I wasn't there. And the funny thing is, my, my parents didn't do that. They weren't, they weren't rock and rollers, but I, I, I thought that, that was the coolest thing. And I... And uh, yeah, it, it doesn't last, but but it's there. It, it, yeah, and also it, like it informs you. Yeah, the 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 Italian uh, TV show that I was talking about is set in the eighteen eighties. I have a fascination for the eighteen eighties and the eighteen nineties. Right. I have a nostalgia for the eighteen eighties. I was definitely not there. <laughs> you, you, but, Cam, you would have you would have missed <laughs> you would have missed having a hot shower. That's one thing for sure. Yes, yeah. Yeah. and you would have missed uh, oh this little thing called antibiotics if you got a scratch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, you know, don't get me wrong. But anyway, um, I so the name of the show again, Naa, which I heartily agree with. It's called Lagu Lagu Dulu Dulu with Sean Gazi and Ida Mariana. Lagu Lagu uh, Dulu Dulu. Nice, nice title. It's on Saturdays title, and um, mm. Tuesdays and Saturdays. Tuesday at 10, 10 p.m. And Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, I might be totally wrong. I think um, you're totally 10, wrong. Really? <laughs> I know Tuesday at 10 p.m. I think I'm pretty right. But, but um, 10 a.m. But go to the website. Go to the BFM yeah, website. Yes, I mean, if you're listening to this show, you're a fan of BFM anyway. So, yeah, so just you, you know, do a bit of homework and you, you get it. Yeah. Use the Google machine. Uh, okay, well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. And uh, just remains for me now to thank uh, our guests. Naamura, thank you very much. Uh, always a pleasure. And good to see you again, Mikey. Good to see you too, uh, now, and always a blast being on the show. And That's always enjoy it. Great to have you, and uh, Mikey, and uh, you know, enjoy the exile in Australia as best you can. But there's food. There's food just down the road. So lots of fifteen food. fifteen minutes to your Malaysian. <laughs> yes. <restaurant. laughs> yeah. Well, it'll be five minutes there and fifteen minutes back. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so waddle back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, guys, and see you next time on A Bit of Culture on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.